We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining us today is Federico Moray, player and coach developer at Sarpsburg 08, pro license coach, unbelievable level of experience, Italy, France, Portugal, England, and now in Norway. So we talk about the tactical methodology, how he learned it, uh, what he's taken from it, what advice he has for other coaches. It's a fascinating topic and Frederico's passion and energy and his insight, you're absolutely going to love it. Let me know what you think, at Gary Kernin on Instagram, at Gary Kernin on Twitter. We've got some new content up on the Modern Soccer Coach website, modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. If you want to support what we're doing and you want to look at some new information for the season, please go ahead and check it out, modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. Thanks for listening. Here is Frederico. Enjoy. Frederico, excited to have you on. Welcome, finally got you on the podcast. I'm excited. <laughs> it's an interesting story, actually. The way, because uh, it was uh, the first contact I had, I, had I didn't see it, and I eventually saw it. And I said, okay, I, have, I really have to answer it. So it's a, it's a real pleasure. I said to you before, and now that we're live, um, I remember last year uh, trying to get a bit of a suntan here in Norway, which is not easy. But I would listen to the podcast, and I think and it's been it's been very interesting. All the people you get, and I think the great advantage you have is that you bring different people with different ideas. So that is, you know, diversity in in that way is very productive for everyone listening. And I was part of that uh, side of the conversation, so I'm happy to be on this side now. Much appreciated. Well, I've I've been a fan of yours for a long time. Inspire, Coach Ed, that your presentation you did, and following you from there. Uh, had a big impact on me. So moving this conversation towards, you know, tactical methodology, periodization, you've you've had the privilege and fortune of studying under the great Vidor Frade at, at Porto. I'm really curious to hear about that learning environment and then where you were before and how that shaped you whenever, you know, you mm. go through it. Absolutely. And it was, I was really fortunate. That's the word. And I, always when i think about it i always get uh, very satisfied and very thankful you know um for for having him in my life and having him as a as an influence he is a character um he is very unique um when you think about a genius uh, that's the kind of uh, the way i can describe um you've always throughout the years he would always bring his newspaper you know the sports newspapers you have in portugal or a book or one of his writings because that that's one of the things he did and that's uh, that that is very interesting because he it cut um newspaper uh, articles uh, you print stuff off the internet whatever and then he would put it on the library so the university library so you could go, go there and, and get it so he was he was a teacher there for a really long time so at the end you could buy the whole stack of photocopies of everything throughout the years, and I bought it, uh, and, and it wasn't it wasn't cheap, 
but you had to. Um, so that's a little huge Bible of articles of things he writes because then he would write on top of the, you know, the, the, um, the newspaper articles or whatever, the books. Uh, yeah. So from that moment, he was very, he would promote all the students to be very inquisitive, to be very uh, curious. That's the word. So curiosity of different aspects of life and in terms of how we saw the, the phenomenon as a, as a social and as a, you know, as a complex phenomenon that we would go to different areas, to psychology, to um, complex systems, to yeah, all, all kinds of things that influence the football uh, performance and the, yeah, and the football phenomenon. Then he would open our eyes to that. And that was, that was unique. No other professor really or teacher really done that for me really. And then the tackle periodization, which he created, was a framework that we would work with. So he would base all of his teachings around that idea. So that was what he believed in. And that's what he would build years after years after years after years and would add to that methodology. Mm. It's it's gone mainstream now. Obviously, tactical periodization and it's become uh, probably a misinterpreted at a massive scale. But but in, initially, and, and having heard interviews with people like yourselves, it was misinterpreted from day one from when it was translated from the English from Portuguese to English. So I wanted to get your thoughts on like where are our biggest misinterpretations? Mm. I don't think I I agree it was misinterpreted. But as he said before he wanted it to be so the reason why he came up with this name tactical periodization was because he wanted to provoke the matviev view of periodization because he was the first one to speak about that not in football but in different sports and then he came to football because that was the only real uh, physiological you know uh, frame framework that we could that we, we knew at the time so you use that term as a provo as a way to provoke the the the, the way you see at it uh, the way you look at it, sorry. And then the tactical is because you always said, ah, you can't really period, you know, you can't really put that into periods. You can't really period. So he used it as a way to provoke. And he talks about two tacticals. He talks about the tactical with a capital T and the tactical with a, uh, with a you know, normal T. So the capital T is the style of play. So when he talks about the way you you put it into different periods is the big tactical. So the idea that the coach has, the idea that the uh, coaching staff has for that team. So this is our tactical idea. This is what we want to play. This is our proposal. So these are principles, uh, micro principles, macro principles, and so on. Sub principles, as he, as he mentions. And that is what guides us. So everything else is... Um, coordinated by that so everything we do extra we do you know analysis uh, physical stuff whatever all the kind of things you think about has to be um, related to that so that is our core priority and when people see the tactical they think 442 or uh, you know 3343 three, three, three. so that has nothing to do with it at all and that is the way some people see the name tactical and they think like, oh, how do I coach the 442? Uh, how do I put it into periods? And I don't blame people because you look at the name and, and that's the kind of first thing that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. But when you look into it, it's the morphocycle. So 
how does during the week, as we've heard about microcycle, so the microcycle, macrocycle. So why we call it morphocycle is because the morphology is constant throughout the year. So the way we look at match, match, and what happens in between the matches is constant. So the different aspects of high intensity, um, acceleration, brakes, uh, duration. So the, the different days have different colors. I'm sure people have, have, seen, have seen it, or if you, if you haven't, just go online and you'll see the colors and, and what the colors mean. Um, and that's why the green is the match. So the green is different shades of yellow and blue that will give green. So that's why it's yellow, that's why it's blue, that's why it's green. So throughout the week, we need to touch on all aspects of um, the game, uh, to, to, to say the least. So if we want to talk about transitions, that is on the, usually on the blue day, which is the high-intensity brake, accelerations, change of directions, uh, what the, some people call it strength day. But yeah, that's another, another misinterpretation. But that's the whole point, is that there's intense movements, and we usually do transition drills, transition uh, moments, so losing the ball, winning the ball. Then when we go on to the green, it's usually what people call the duration. So where that's where you link different different sectors of your team, your your backline and your midfield against whatever, uh, or your the full eleven. And then moving on to yellow, that is where you have the sprinting, let's say the more speed related. But the problem is that the speed has been seen as a, just a physical thing, and it's not just physical. So you can do a 11 against 11 on a yellow day. It just, you just need to make sure that the drill and the activity you, you, you promote has speed of thought, speed of decision-making, speed of reaction, whatever. So we don't see it in, in a way where we divide it into, oh, this is just physical, that is just mental, that is just so. Those four corners as we are used to, to, to hear about, we don't see it in that way. And, um, and I feel that every time I'm on the on the field, you know, coaching, and I really feel that, that is, there's no distinction. Um, and you shouldn't distinguish between those four moments or however moments you want to, 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 to number. So that is the main, I feel, the main misconception. Um, but as I say, I don't, I don't blame people. I don't, uh, I don't put the, that pressure on them because the name does suggest something like that. But when you look into it, when you study it, then it is, uh, it is something different. Yeah, U.S. culture, and I have a couple of questions about the U.S. culture is, is traditionally big on the science, weights, uh, the physical side. So maybe that's part of you know whatever you have, especially with the college game over here, and you have people wanting to see periodization charts. I mean, how can you differentiate between the mental intensity and physical intensity? Mm. Um, the the we, I think we have to look back and look at the history and look at how things developed. And that's how usually you understand the phenomenon. So we looked at, the, at, at sports in general as a, as a game, as something fun. Then you started growing into a, a business, into, a, into something more competitive. And now it is complete business. So what people did was we'll bring specialists, as they call it, from this different areas. So we'll bring a psychologist, we'll bring a... Uh, a strength and conditioning coach and then we'll put them all together and it'll work for sure and we know that's not how it works so that was the main issue was that what we had as football coaches there were 
uh, uh, you know, uh, previous players, former players that then wanted to stay in the game and then they started coaching. Um, so the coaching courses from 20 years ago, 30 years ago to now are completely different. So the, the, to take a UEFA Pro course nowadays, you, it's nearly a university course. So you have to go through a lot of information in all those different areas because the coach needs to understand the basics of, a, of each. Okay, he might get someone that is, um, you know, that knows a certain aspect into, into the, 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 the least detail or the, 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 the smallest detail, but he needs to understand the whole picture. And that is what I feel when I look at um, NFL um, documentaries and, and, and things from, from way, way, way back. That is what, what, what you feel. Okay, now it's the, the strength and conditioning coach uh, time. Now is the whatever tactical. Now is the coordinator, defensive coordinator. So it was a, lot of, a lot of it was split up. So I can't see it in that way. I can't see it in, in a way where you, you do analytic work or you try to improve the physical condition of a player when we know in the game of football and in, in the majority of sports your physical performance is linked to your decision making so you only sprint because you have to sprint you only make a certain uh, movement because that makes sense in your head at that moment to go in between the lines or to to move into a blind side or, you know so we have to make sure that when we coach that and whatever methodology you, you want to use, when you do that, the physical, the mental, the tactical, the technical, they have to be all working with each other. That doesn't mean that you can't do one or two drills, whatever, that just focuses on a certain aspect. Yeah, but the player needs to understand that his body is, is one, is unique. You can't separate the mental from the physical. And that way is, uh, it's, it's very important how you understand the way your body works, you know, so um, the, the dualism of body, mind and the mind is one thing, the body is another thing that has been d destroyed by science uh, for, for a long time. And we know that, you know, people lose their limbs and they have a, a, a phantom limb. So they, they, their body hasn't adapted. The limb is not there, but the mind still thinks the arm is there. So they can picture, you know, playing the piano, even if they've chopped the, the arm off. So the body and the, the mind is one thing. So we can't dissociate the, both things. And that means that intensity, as you, as you, as you asked, and decision-making, they have to be there from the first moment. And if you don't, from my experience, if you don't, the player's sharpness, the player's focus, the, the player's, um, uh, yeah, they're not there. You don't feel that if the, the drill, if, if the activity is uh, not asking them a lot in terms of, of their mental decision-making, uh, attention, focus, they switch off. And then you don't have the player 100%. You don't have the intensity in training that you think you, you, you do. So you need to get that. That can be through competition. That can be through um, self-improvement. Uh, so that can be... He is he himself setting a certain a certain standard. Oh, I have to overcome this. It can be a finishing drill. It can be the same drill during the whole year. Okay, but you've scored ten out of ten. Okay, cool. That's that's your objective. All right. So now let's start, try with the left foot. Okay, are you re achieving that those kind of um, percentages? The same with the with the with the center half. Okay, you can set the ball 
um, 30 meter pass. Okay, how precise can it go? How how intense can it go? What you know? So those kind of mental aspects of training they have to be there for him to be engaged. The moment I feel that we've we've sometimes forget that the player responds immediately, not consciously, but unconsciously he he just he, he drops, not because he wants to, but because his his mind is not there. Yeah, it's a topic that I, I've I've been pretty critical on environments over here that have spent fortunes on science, and it looks great. The cones are all set up, looks great. The players are all hooked up. They've all done their apps in the morning. They go in, and you can just feel that there's a there's an environment of disengagement from minute one. And I mean, how how does a coach, I suppose, combat that there and still get the detail that they want in the science? Mm. And it, it goes back to what are they there for? You know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of coaches listening now that are at completely different levels of of um, of the game. Some are coaching in a 10, some are coaching 30 year olds, some are you know in an elite level, some are starting. So they are all there for the love and for the passion of the game. That's their main priority. So a training session, a football training session, it has to have football. It has to have all the ingredients that they feel I have to be 100% on this. It has to be competitive because all football players are competitive. That's what distinguishes them from others. That's why we know that kids that play sports are a lot better in school than the, the ones that don't because they develop that kind of um, self-awareness, um, self, self um, development of, of their own um, goals, objectives, you know, ambition. So all of those things come to, 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 to you as a, as a player. So if the coach doesn't play with that, if the coach doesn't use that in our own favor, in our own um, development in the team's, you know, um, environment, then you're just, you're just losing out. You're just, you're just, you have a, a bullet that you're not using. And that's what gets me very confused is why have we gone that way? Why have we gone into a way where we isolate a player and he has to, you know, go through certain steps oh, and then he can play? Why not the other way? No, no, he can play and then he can do the other, the other, the other things. What is then my own main priority? What does that player, whatever age he is, what does he need to focus on? What, is, what are his targets? What are his ambitions um, on the short term, long term? So those should be the priorities for, for every player. And it seems that we've, we've gone into a different way because of, as I think, that's my, that's my, my view. That's, my, that's what I think right now is because we've got certain specialists from different areas that it's too, it's too early still. We haven't learned how to cooperate in the best way, I feel. Um, we, we know that you've got something to give, but we don't really know how to use you. Um, and, that, and, that has been, and that has been affecting how training methodology has, has developed. And what I feel is that some people have an idea what they want, but they can't really put it in, into paper. They, they really can't. What is your methodology? What is your coaching methodology? Some coaches don't have one. It's, uh, you know, so that kind of, as I said before, um, framework, that kind of, I know what we're going to do on this day, this day, this. We might not do it, but this is my objective. This is what we need to work on. Okay, my team needs to play a higher line, a higher back line. Okay, how do we introduce this into our, into our weekly plan? 
uh, my team is going from five aside to seven aside. Okay, how can I introduce that to the boys or to the girls? Whatever. So how can I adapt training to suit my players and not the other way around? You know, how can the players suit my... No, no, no. Your training, the reason why you're there as a coach is to promote the players, is to make them better. And obviously, as a team, and the, if the interactions are better, the team will, will definitely be better. Whenever the... Again, going back to the mainstream aspect and how the misunderstanding, um, do you think that that we're reluctant because there is so much, again, misunderstanding on load management? This is impacting perhaps coaches' ability to play an up-tempo game, a pressing game, and, and maybe mm. restricting teams in a sense? Mm. And that's, the, that's one of the advantages I feel that... Um, the the way I studied and the way that I came across a, a certain uh, coaching methodology, uh, methodology, they they bring me that view exactly the same as understanding what is training and what is recovery, what is fatigue, um, because there is when when people think about fatigue is uh, oh my legs feel tired um, I can't run as much and. And not necessarily. You can have different types of fatigue. You can be sitting on a computer for the whole day. You haven't moved, but you get to the end of the day like, well, I'm, I'm tired. So we can't forget that every, uh, every, every motion, every signal, every electrical signal come, comes from the brain. It goes down the brainstem, spinal cord, nerves, all the way to the point of your finger and, and your toe. So that takes energy. All those decisions, especially in a, in a competitive game, it is intense. And even coaches, if you ask coaches, they say, oh, after 90 minutes, I'm finished. I can't even talk to anyone. I'm destroyed. Because it's decision-making. It's, uh, they're analyzing all the time. They're, they're focused. And being focused takes energy. It takes a toll. And the GPS is not able to, to, to quantify that. Um, I'm not sure we have found a way to quantify that. So that is what I feel the difference between the elite coaches and the ones that want to get there is that sensibility, that, uh, that ability to look at it and say, no, this is enough. I feel that, okay, the, 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 the data we're getting from the GPS or they haven't run enough or they've got, you know, more, but I feel that it's enough. I feel that they're tired. I feel that uh, three times 10 is what we plan. We plan to play three times 10, but we're okay with two times eight or we're okay with three times five. So that, that feeling and that on-the-moment decision-making is very important to be able to, 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 be, to be flexible, to be fluid in your planning and your adaptation on the moment. You have the plan and you've spent, some coaches spend, same with me, I spend more time planning the, the, the session than actually, you know, yeah. uh, taking it. So um, that, 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 that also allows you to adjust in the moment, look at the players, feel the players. Of, of course, use those data. Use what the GPS is telling you. What use what you know. Um, but then, understand that fatigue is more than just that. That in sometimes, in some certain moments of the week, you have to recover. Players need to recover, even if they haven't played. They need to recover, because there's the expectation of being in the in the squad. Oh, I wasn't in the squad. They're disappointed. And we're talking about kids. We're talking about adults. The whole, the, the, the whole spectrum. 
you create now you're working hard the whole week you're out of the team okay i have to train without you know with five or six how does that impact the players mentality they're they they've certainly want to be part of the squad they're out okay how does that impact him um if he spends three four or five weeks always out of the or out of the squad um but he's still training he may, probably doesn't even have a day off because maybe in the day off he goes to the gym or he does like extra work so how can we look at that and say okay he hasn't played for five weeks but we need to take care of this player both physically mental as i said before i can't really dissociate it because i feel that a player that that has been out for five weeks one of the things that he really needs to focus on is the tactical side is the decision making it's the perception sharpness um positioning because that's what they miss the physical you know if if you want to divide in that way the physical um cap- capacity you can get it two three weeks you're back but the agility the decision making especially um central defenders uh, central midfielders that have to make those decisions all the time then they they feel that um they certainly feel that lack of 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 games coming up coach that's always fascinated me uh Rui Faria and and he was on your course and we I've heard from so many different people and reading and listening that he that he is he is someone who has taken it and stuck with it and been successful. He's one of the best operators around. I mean, what perspective can you share with with us on that? It was. I feel that one of the one of the positive sides of uh, UEFA Pro license is the people you meet, and we were very lucky, or I was very lucky because it was a and it was an awesome group, because it was diverse and it was people that were working at at the high level like he was. Um, the because in Portugal it works with three weeks. We did four. But it's usually three weeks in a hotel where you have eight to eight. So eight o'clock in the morning, first class, all the way up to eight o'clock. You have practical, you have the- uh, theoretical, and then you can go home in the weekend. So that's really intense. And the period we did it, Riferia was signing for a new club. So Mourinho was going to United, and um, and they were signing for the new club. So we got through all the whole process of the signing um the kind of priorities they wanted who was going to be fundamental um and he, they they said straight away one of the most important players for us will be Fellaini and people got surprised why why is Mourinho taking so much and then I wasn't because I knew that from the first moment they said he's going to be very important for us um situations like that the stories that he would tell about Inter about Real Madrid we're talking about the elite we're talking about the the highest level i'm not sure how he because now he's coaching now he's he, he decided to 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 leave uh, mourinho's staff and and to, to take his own take his own path because that that's really the only step he could take if you've been at real madrid inter uh, fc porto where where they started chelsea uh, they, you know what i said there's no you can't beat that so the way that he had to keep himself motivated the way that it it's it was very interesting because he had a passion for the game of course but it's it, it's a it's a self prophecy of we want more okay we want a new challenge we want to take man united back to what it used to be and that is what drives them it's the the 
the challenge, the challenge, it's not the money anymore. People think, oh, the, no, the money, of course, if you have a couple of zeros more on your contract, that, that would help, obviously. But they, they, they're not driven by that. And when you talk about players like Ronaldo, all of those, they don't, they're not driven by the money. They're driven by those, those targets. The, what can we achieve? We want to take Man United back to what they used to be. We've got Guardiola on the other side. We've got City winning. We need to get above. We need to beat them. At least not be too far from them. So that was that was very very special. He's very uh, simple without being you know simplistic. So he's very straightforward, very clear in his ideas. In every topic we would talk about, any topic we, that would come up, he would be very clear. He would have his his ideas very very clear in his head, um, and you felt the knowledge. You felt that it was someone that lived football, someone that met th- thousands of players from different, um, from different um, environments, from different cultures. And that, is, that was very, 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 very rich. There would be moments in our class that we would stop and just kind of look at him and what do you think? So um, we, even, we even asked him, okay, can you give us a lesson? Can you take, can you take two or three hours? You know, because it was hard to see him as a, as, as a student um, because he had more to teach than, than some that, that went there. Because that's knowledge of years, you know, years upon years upon years, and, and that was very productive. And you can just, with people like that, you just listen and learn. You don't even argue. You don't even, you just ask questions and learn. Um, so that I, I was very, th- very, very, very thankful for it and very grateful for, for, for having that opportunity. Yeah, just on that, and, and a question you've probably been asked a million times has been, uh, I mean, Rui Free has a science background, so... Where does isolated running gym work? Where does that sit with the methodology? Mm. There's one concept in 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 the, the methodology that we talk about the uh, cafe latte. So the the milk and the the cafe. So we want the players to drink milk. So this is an analogy, obviously. We want the players to drink milk, but they're not really keen. So what we do is we put a little bit of coffee, so they feel like oh we're drinking coffee, but there's a little bit of milk in there so that perspective is what he's always talked about is in some players you need to be able to be agile and adaptable to what the player feels because at the end of the day the player is going to be the one going on the pitch so he needs to feel comfortable and he tells stories that we we, we shouldn't mention any names but he tells a story about a a striker that he had in uh, italy that he said, I have to do gym. I have to do gym work the day after. So after we play the match, the day after I have to go to the gym. And he's like, okay, cool. Um, yeah, a little bit of, of, of upper body. I said, no, 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 legs. He's like, no, no, you can't do legs the day after. I said, no, but coach, I've done it since. I've, I've always done it. And he's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do this. Tomorrow will you come and then we'll, we'll do it together. And so they went to the gym and he was there looking and the, this is the story he tells. And he sat on the, this is an, this is an elite football player. He would sit on the, on the leg press and he would take the weight, you know, the weight off that, that little pin. So it would be no weight. It would just be the chair. And he would just push and go, you know, make that kind of just the movement. He would do five and then go and then rest and go. Okay. Like, like you know, slap his, his legs and then, 
and then do it again. He did three times and he said, coach, I'm feeling, yeah, I'm feeling good. And he felt, okay, if this is it, if this is your gym, then, you know, be my guest. No problem. So we also have to, and that is something that this story t- tells us is you have to understand the player's mental state. Okay, if, you've, if he's always done it and you, and you cut that, he's not going to feel comfortable. Your connection with him will not work. If you lose two or three games, it won't, it won't help. If he doesn't score for two or three games, then you're finished. So that ability for you to say, okay, even if it is a gym work that they have, we'll do it in this way. We'll adapt what we have planned for you to do it. And there's no problem. If, if, you're, if your focus is on the, the main thing, if your focus is on, as we said, the, your style of play, how are we going to play against the next opponent? They do this, they do that. Or if we're looking at kids, okay, we have this curriculum. We want the players to, to learn how to dribble with the, whatever, left foot or uh, understand what a, what a press and cover is. And what, Yeah, we can do it. That is the main priority. Okay, can we do a little bit of, even a little competition between the, 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 the kids? Okay, we want to do a little bit of sprinting for them to understand what sprinting is. Okay, do it in the competition. Do it as a fun, you know, as a fun thing. Okay, then they'll get used to it and then they'll be part of the 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 week of course ideally you can you can do that in a in a more uh, game related situation obviously but we're not uh, we're not uh, obsessed with you know it has to have the ball to be specific because not necessarily you know the ball is obviously uh, the, the the most important thing in the game but there's moments without the ball so you can do a lot of things without the ball and that is still specific if it's specific to our play, if it's specific to the way we coach, the way we want our team to play, then of, of course it makes it makes sense to do it. And that's the main message that he came across is, of course, this methodology is, is what we follow, is what we believe in, but we can take it um, into a certain way where, it, where, the, where it's more like a, a cult than, than anything. No, no, no. There's no problem with going to the gym. There's no problem to do those different things if they're planned, if they are uh, prioritized within our frame of work. Okay, we want to do this, this, okay, this is where it fits. And what we feel it has been a problem, and it's, and, and we're speaking to different different people, and he spoke about the same, that in Man United they had, because before him was Van Gaal, I think, and they had 12 physiotherapists. So they had one per player. Yeah. And they said, we, we, don't, we don't need 12. So, but we, you know, but they're under contracts. They we can't just sack these people. So, okay, just give it to the to the academy. They'll they'll be more than happy. So, there's a, I feel that there's been recently recent years, five six years, there's been a way where the strength and conditioning side of 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 the of, of the coaching staff they seem to be in need to prove that they're needed. Uh, they need to prove the thousands of, of, of pounds or, or dollars that they spend in the new gym equipment, or it has to be used, or else why did we go and get it? So it then the priority then changes from the football to let's do this first, and then we'll go out on the pitch. So in the player's mind, what is the priority? And the more we go through this way, the more the player will, will then be 35 and think, no, no, I have to do gym and this before I go out to play. So it's how we teach our kids what is the priority, what is uh, strength, what is speed. Is speed just how quick you go from point A to point B, or is it how quick you can decide? You know, I saw yesterday 
Barcelona brought Ricky Puy on, and that is speed. That is the, the, the touch, the decision-making, combining, the way he changed the game, and he's 160-something. At least he looked like the shortest player on the pitch. So you look at how... Would he play in different systems? Maybe not. We know that old, uh, you know, oh, he wouldn't play for Barcelona. He only plays for Barcelona. Yeah, but there's more. Uh, Kante also plays for Chelsea. So there's that that obsession with the physical brings us to the, you know, strongest, fastest, quickest, but not necessarily, you know. Uh, we look at Messi and he's he's physical. He is very physical. Try to catch him and, and you'll have a hard time. So... That's uh, we went around the neuron, but, but that's the whole point. Is that's the, the the elite level? That's what they they teach us. Is you have to be adaptable. You have to understand what each player needs, and that's your job as a coach. That's your job as a physical coach to get everyone together and and find where everyone links. And at the end of the day, they have to play together. It's not an individual sport. We cannot forget that. We sometimes see it as an individual. No, it's not. It will never be an individual sport. It's a collective sport. It's a team sport. So the, the better the team plays, the better the individual will, will, of course, emerge from that complex system. Yeah, it's it's really, really interesting. You're, like, whenever you're saying about... Well, pe- people talk about Mourinho having lost his touch. And obviously, like the way he was going, he was going to win. It was like Tiger Woods winning every tournament at a young age. Like it's very hard to sustain that. But like there's recently an article from from Miguel Delaney in the Independent over here, and he talked about Portuguese coaches almost dominating leagues now. How much of that uh, is down to the tactical periodization, or how much of it is as you go up the elite level? It, it is more adaption. It is more flexibility. It is more relationship based. Where do the two of them kind of combine? Mm. Um, a lot. Because this generation now, so, so for, I'm 32, um, the coach is uh, 10 years younger than me, uh, already don't know anything else than this. So if you go to a coach in Portugal, a young coach, and you say, okay, let's uh, do some sprints, um, some isolated sprints, run from there, he'll say, no, 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 but no, we don't do that. So... The, 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 the problem is they're going to a little bit too much towards, as I said before, towards a, uh, yeah, a way that it doesn't even make sense. So what tactical prioritization always talked about was you need to develop your style of play. Mm-hmm. If you are Real Madrid with uh, the players Mourinho had, that it was a counter-attacking team, then you obviously need to coach in a way that there is a lot of counterattacks. There is a lot of uh, movements uh, cro- crossing over, long periods, long distances of constant running, of defending deep, win, counterattack. That has to be coached. That has to be done on the pitch. So the moment your style changes, your coaching will also change. The requirements, so the physical requirements, let's say it in this way, if we, if we want to divide it, the physical requirements for Barcelona are not the same as the physical requirements for Atletico Madrid. And I saw that in first hand. And that's a very interesting when, when I was when I was younger, I had uh, holidays. So it was pre-season and we had a little bit of holidays. And I said, I need to, to go somewhere now. I'll just relax and not think about football. So I went on Ryanair's website and said, okay, where can I go? And the cheapest flight, and it was the next day or the two days, that was Madrid. 
I said, okay, I've never been to Madrid. I'll just go. For, uh, I speak the language, no issues. So I got on the plane and I got there and I said, okay, what now? Literally, what now? Um, alone, no, no, you know, didn't travel with anyone, didn't know anyone. And I said, okay, I'll just start visiting, visiting clubs. And the first club I went was to um, Atletico Madrid. And I was going to spend eight days there in, in, in Madrid. And that was my holidays. And we, I went there. Uh, and I was so lucky because as I was, it's, it's, everything is closed, obviously. And I was, I was uh, about to speak to the security guard. Someone walked by. And I was like, introducing myself. Oh, I'm a coach. I would like to see if there's anything I can see. And luckily, it was the, the, the head of academy. And he said, oh, you're coach? Said, yeah, Portuguese. Oh, uh, okay, come in. Imagine this. If I was 10 seconds earlier, 10 seconds later, I wouldn't meet him. So he said, oh, come in. No problem. Just do whatever you want. And it was unbelievable. It was like no one was there. It was summer, of course, but it was no, it was, it was closed. I was so lucky to get in there. And then it was the Cholo Simeone's second session. Because he was, so it was that year, I don't remember which year, but it's easy to go on online and search. But it was his second session. And because of the, the uh, Atletico Madrid's um, training ground, they're different pitches, but the first team trained nearly with, with, uh, with uh, the academy because they're so close. And I just sat there and said, okay, let's see what this is. You know, the Argentinian, he was, he was okay as a player, he had a great career, but he was an intense, you know, midfielder. Let's see how he coaches. And I'm pretty sure that he has nothing to do with tactical prioritization, but that was a lot of tactical prioritization um, in, in that training. The intensity, the feedback, the, the whole, how can I say this in a way? The whole session was a physical session, but there was game involved. He has one that he loves, which is like two mini goals, and the player has to sprint and then sprint back to block a shot that would be in those goals. If you go online, and he did that. And, and I said, this is, this is football. This is a small part of the game, yeah? This is a sub, 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 sub principle. But this is proper physical also. The intensity. The, so maybe someone else will just do the same with two cones or run and sprint there. But the player, the engagement of the player was completely different. Because, no, you're not going to score against me. And there was one team there, one team there, bibs, one orange against the reds. So... The, the intensity he brought to the session was unbelievable. It was, it was the, the, the moment I said, I remember sending a text to a friend and said, this is going to be interesting. This team, and because they, they were still starting, they weren't, uh, uh, he built this, this, this team that, it, that is now. So what I mean is, it doesn't, I don't think people should be overly obsessed with the type of uh, methodology they do. Oh, I, I coach this way. No, just make sure that the way you coach, the way you organize your training, makes sense at least for the players obviously for you for your staff but the players need to understand why are we doing this now does it make sense to do just sprints from a to b does it make sense for me to do a test a yo-yo test if then we're playing a completely different way you know and i feel as we, we spoke before there's more and more investment in the physical side on the gps on all those systems and it seems the teams drop, 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 drop. And now it's, it's nearly a handball game. You know, it's a, a handball where one team just lays down deep, 4-4-2, four, four, two, two bunches of four, and they just combine around and around, and they will just counterattack. So where has that happened? Why are we not pressing? 
why are we not using that, all that physical aspect into the game, into our style of play? Atletico does. And they train in that way. And I've seen it with my own eyes. So the, the moment you can link your style with your training sessions, with the way you perform on the, in, in the games, then you're fine. And it doesn't matter. There's no right way or wrong way to coach. There's no right way or wrong way to play. Some teams have a lot of success with long balls, varding behind, um, very simple football, but very effective football. And others have a lot of success with 35 passes until you dribble the keeper and score. So it's about what you want to do as a coach. What is your, what is your ambition? What do you want to, want, want to play? And then obviously never forget that you have five-year-old kids. You have to coach adaptable to them. It has to be specific to that age group and specific to that culture. You don't, co you don't coach the same way in the US as you coach in England. You don't coach the same way in Spain as you coach in, in Norway. So that ability for you to adapt is what right now Mourinho, when you say, oh, he lost his touch. Yeah, but at the same time, he's been in complete different countries, complete different environments and has success in every, in, in every team. Now, what's going to happen in, in the future, we don't know. But that, that is the main thing and the, you know, the main message I, I feel is don't get over the obsessed, oh, he's doing this and he's doing tackles. No, no, find your own way. Investigate, create your own method and then play with it. Okay, it didn't work. This didn't work. Okay, write it down. Okay, I have to change this. What is my leadership style? Um, what is my, the, the way I interact with them? You know, and that is reflection, reflection upon um, practice. And that is because people say, oh, he's a very experienced coach. Yeah, but he's been doing the same things for 40 years. Is that real experience? Or is there someone that is 35, but he's been reflecting on things. He's been investigating, reading, speaking to different people, watching uh, webinars, um, listen to this podcast every week. So learning and, you know, being a sponge, being smart and say, okay, I'm going to create my own style and then perfect it slowly. Mm -hmm. But, 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 but surely, perfect it, get it a little bit better. And that's what um, Professor Fidofrade did, did, and he talks about that all the time. He started changing it. He started in one way, then he started adding, then add, add. So uh, he has the idea, but at the end, after a few years, he has a complete methodology. He has a way of seeing things. Yeah, there must be an element of, again, when you bring in 20 more machines, then you're, you're, do you then start to think as a coach that, I better not mess this up. I better not injure someone. And then you're not. That's what I love about Mourinho. I've always loved Mourinho because I've always found him an aggressive coach. Maybe not tactically, but I've always found him trying to, you know, he goes in the press conferences to fight. You can see him pushing players. Like he's trying to do something. Whereas there's a caretaker role almost as coaches today. Um, mm. How do we, or do you see that yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um... And now you're starting to see something I've been enjoying is you see the teams hire an idea. They hire Guardiola because they know we want to play in this style. They get Klopp because we know we're going to play in this style. Um, so And the Mourinho, in a different way, we want a winner. We're not really bothered with the way we play because he, his identity is to be adaptable. And that's what he is, a chameleon. And he wins in different environments. But you're also starting to see Teams like City, who's gonna who's gonna come when Pep leaves because he will leave eventually. Who's gonna come? Who's gonna coach? Will they, will they change? Will they stay with the same way? 
you know so the same with barcelona now we went through a, a, an interesting period and now we're back to what they call a, a barcelona coach a coach that wants to play out from the back how will this play out so the fans are really happy that the, the, they're playing this new way but will they bring more trophies or not then we'll see with time but i i understand what you mean is the the proactive proactive coach i want to change this this is my and we missed that. We missed the Guardiola, Mourinho's uh, press conferences, the you know fingers in, in, in Tito Villanova's eyes. So um, w- w- that fire, you know, we're we're missing. It's too nice. Oh, he's a great coach, and you know, before every Champions League, oh, they're a great team, and we were losing that kind of uh, a fire uh, that we used to have. Uh, Ferguson, Wenger, uh, those kind of intense. Uh, it was a match before it even started. Okay, we're on the tunnel. We all remember Roy Keane, Patrick Vieira in, in the tunnel. You know, the match would start before, and it still does, and it still does. But now I feel social media plays a role. Um, the department of social media in clubs will play a role. We see that all the time. The clubs are answering each other, and, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Twitter account sends it. So this will start to play. This will start to, to, to have an impact. Um, and... You can see the way that it's, it seems that no one can really say anything. The players cannot really text or you know use social media because people are starting to understand how fragile it can be. A message written, you know, with a, uh, uh, a very very heated uh, match or something, or he got sent off, he can go straight in and, and, and put himself in trouble. So that'll be very interesting to see how technology will affect the way that coaches communicate with the fans. Because that's what you mentioned is what Mourinho would do. He would use the press conference and he would say that openly. This is my game, mm-hmm. you know, and this is where I want to start winning. This is where I want to start putting pressure on my own players, on the opponent, or take the pressure off them. Or So he, he always said that was his game, that he wanted to play that game in the press conference. So, and it is, if we look at it, if we look at Guardiola, I follow Guardiola's press conferences all the time. And... He's constantly on, you know, before COVID, obviously, but now also. But before, he was constantly on his pre-match, post-match, Champions League, League Cup, uh, Premier League. So he's constantly on. His, his focus, as you say, more of a caretaker, it, it's tough. That's why you see that is their staff. Their staff, they all leave. They, you don't see anyone staying, That the assistant staying and the main coach left. No, no, no. They leave and they go as a seven, six the goalkeeper coach, the analyst, the physio, so they all work as a team because they have to. The pressure up there is in, is immense. So they have to get, uh, you know, that, that acquaintance to each other. They need to know each other and, and trust each other. And trust in, in, in a coaching staff is, is massive. Yeah, last couple for you, just along those lines of and like passion. Like that's what we're saying. We're, we're missing some passion in the game in just to emotion and way people play and the way people talk about it because that's why we all coach for the most part we're passionate about it um mm-hmm. when you look at coach education and you know you work in coach de- or for coach development as part of your role today is how do you i suppose align structure but then also try and get these people thinking and get these people to to be deliberate about where they're going and take risks mm-hmm. and put their emotion into it mm-hmm. and uh that is something I always wanted to do, um, to influence in a positive way, I think, or I try. And the, 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 when I came to Norway, 
that was my my initial role. So the way the way the system works in Norway is is very particular because it's completely different than the 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 English reality. So in Norway they want it's hard to explain, but they want the boys and girls until they're 15 to play for their local clubs. So they call the elite clubs, which is the clubs that are in the first, uh, the top two leagues. So the elite Serien and the Nubus, they call it here. So those two leagues, they are what they call the elite clubs. And in, in reality, there's one club in each town, so they are the main club. And that club has the responsibility to educate the clubs around so the smaller clubs. So in my case, when I came, we had 14 clubs, what we, what we call the, the corporation clubs. We call them corporation clubs. So it was my role to go around and coach the coaches. And I would do that through sessions, delivering sessions, delivering sessions to seven-year-olds without even speaking a word of Norwegian. So that was fun. But the coaches were impressed how you, do, you don't really coach with, with language. You coach with body language, you coach with energy, you coach with emotion, you coach with, you know, with passion. So they would just look at me and try to figure out what I was trying to get to, you know, and the drills they would get straight away because they were simple, they were straightforward. So that was my, my initial role. I would have that uh, influence on the coaches outside and then I would have influence on the coaches inside the club. So that would be from the G16, so the under 16s, um, at the club up to 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 the to the uh, yeah to the first team what I'm working now and then slowly I'm now so I heard uh, the Vitesse um, the Vitesse um, academy manager called that they have a role with with which they call I think talent manager so I would say that's my role right now so what I do now is I'm working just with the first team and there's a there's a group of players that it, they are my responsibility in, in a way, but they is the players I follow with more, um, with more, um, with more care, really. So that means that this year, for the first year, for the first time, I'll coach the second team and I'll have more contact with those players because I'll coach them. We won't have training sessions, but we'll have games. So a little bit like the under 23s in, in England, but we, we're part of a league. So this team is part of a league where they play every week. And we're allowed to use players from our first team. So our first team players that don't play on a Sunday, they can play for us on a Monday. So the interesting thing, and going back to your question, well, as a, as a, as a coach developer, I feel it's to guide people more than anything else. I don't, I don't think it makes sense for you to, to, to teach in, 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 you know, if you, if, if I'm being clear, it's more to guide people. People have their own ideas of the game, their own, views and you have to guide them you have to do your own you know as as as, as we, we we said tactical uh prioritization talks about guided discovery so i did did that with the coaches also what is your idea who who do you enjoy who do you like to to follow oh i like uh pep guardiola or uh, Jurgen Klopp. okay what kind of values does Jurgen Klopp bring what kind of uh, message does he bring to the players to the fans? so what can you learn from him Cool. You like Jurgen Klopp. Watch every interview he has ever had. Watch videos of him coaching. Watch him videos in the game. Uh, go to Anfield. Watch Klopp on a match day, um, because that's one of the things I do every year. Is go to to Camp Nou, um, I, because luckily for the past few years they've played at home during the Christmas period. So I always go there. 
always watch one game, travel back home. And that is what I do. I can't last uh, this year. I went with one of them, one of my players. We, we both went there and I said, I can't talk to you right now. I am so focused. We, we're talking half time and we were sitting next to each other. So because I said, you, we have to focus. We have to look at everything that's happening. This is the best learning opportunity you have is to watch the elite level. There's no one above Messi. Well, that's the debatable, but um, the, there's no one above that level. That This is the elite. So we have to learn. And when I spoke about coach education, I always started from the elite. And people say, oh, but I'm coaching the under 10s. said, yeah, yeah. But you can take, uh, you can take lessons from the elite. You can see what they're doing because that's the end product. You're coaching a, a boy or a girl that will hopefully get to that level. Okay, so what does he need to do? What is his own motivation? His eating habits, his sleeping habits, his view towards school. So th that is the, the whole point is when we look at the elite now, it will be the under 19s in five, six, seven years. So they, you know, the academy football is always following that, those trends. You know, now we're talking about players that understand the game, that can play in different positions, that can uh, read the game as a, as a right back or as a, you know, or change systems, you know, or change positioning, positioning within the game. Okay, first half we play this and that. So that tactically, uh, tactical flexibility. But yeah, but I coach in under 10s. How can I, you know, we can't coach tactics in under 10s. Yes, you can. Because the tactics means you're playing two against two with an under 10s. And you're teaching that boy or that girl that you can play on the right and you can play on the left. You can go in behind or in front. You can go on the blind side. Or, so this is tactics. It's not the 4-4-2. And that, that debate, oh, when, when you start coaching tactics, I get what they're trying to say, you know. But because they're talking about systems and, and, and shapes and everything. So what I, what, I, what I mean is you have to simplify the game for your age group. Okay, I'm coaching under 10s. What can they learn? What is your role as a coach for an under 10s? Are you a dad? No, you're a coach. But obviously, you'll have to have a different approach to training an under 10 than you have to training a 35-year-old. And that was a lot of my, of my focus um, as, as, a, as a coach or as a, as a coach educator was for them to find their own way. Not look for, you know, not, not, not looking for recipes, you know, not looking for, oh, I have to do this and this and this. Oh, on Monday I do this. No, no, no. You make what makes sense for your team because you'll have one that is sick and then you actually only have five and then the next training you have ten. Um, especially for those teams that are not so competitive, you know, they're not so, uh, yeah, they're not so, they're not, you know, the, the thought is not to be a professional football player, but just to enjoy themselves. And you, I got a lot of coaches that were just there to, to make sure the kids had fun. Okay, excellent. So that is your priority to have fun. But how can they have fun? How do you, you know, how do you set your week in that way? Mm -hmm. And that is, and that is the most interesting thing because every coach is different, every person is different, and every coach brings their own side to coaching. You know, and I've 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 heard before. I'm not sure which kind of podcast it was, but one of the questions was, oh, do you believe that the coach should keep uh, with the same age group the whole the whole academy um, years or should the team keep going and the coach change every year and from my experience of course it depends on the culture and it depends on the on the environment but it is very rich for a player to 
rotate for a player to have coaches different every year. For example, every two years, depends on the context. But because every moment you have a new coach, it resets. You have to prove yourself that you are the starter. You have to prove that you are the dribble of the team. You will have to prove that you are the, the one that scores 35 goals. So that will put the reset on the whole team. And the, the, the context that we had last year, that we played, this player all played all the time, this, so it will change. So that kind of already is creativity because the player will have to find ways to deal with this coach because see, this coach has a different personality. The other one was joking all the time. This one is always serious. He's always uh, pushing us. And so how can I react to that? How can I adapt as a coach to that? And I remember when I was in England, went to a, to a, a conference. So it was all the foundation, foundation phase uh, conference. And we, they had a, an, an expert in social psychology. And she mentioned that, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't really you know, uh, remember her name, but she mentioned that when, especially in, in, in academy years, you know, in, 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 as, you, as you grow as a player, you have to show to the player a range of emotion. You know, because now we're being a little bit uh, politically correct and, oh, you can't really say that or you can't really do that. You can't really be angry with the kids. No, no, but the kids need to understand what is angry. Not rudeness, obviously, but what is disappointment? What is, because the probability of him being a football player is very, very, very little. 0, 0.0, whatever. So he will be a, a, an employee in a, in a company. And his boss will be angry. So he needs to see what that, exp, you know, that expression, that range of emotions. And now that we're going to this digital environment you know that kids are on their phones more than before they're on their ipads more than before the sports are the only way that they can feel that human contact that human emotion and this uh, i i picked on, a, on, a, on an academy example on the coach education but this happens the same with first team level they have to understand we're on pressure we're you know you're under pressure now now the coach is angry now the assistant is angry. now, now you need to step up or the opposite he's happy He's satisfied. Keep going. So um, that is my my style as a, as a coach educator is, as I said, and to, to wrap it up, to give guidance to help coaches find their own way rather than telling, no, this is wrong and that's right. They're th themselves finding what is wrong and what is right. Mm. Brilliant. Last one for you, just on the topic of the that development piece, the player development piece, and sometimes in tactical methodology and tactical periodization people can coaches can gravitate towards i've definitely done this gravitate towards the team and you start to overlook certain individuals i mean what are some advice just to wrap it up for for coaches to to keep that lens where they're looking at at, at those special players and those difference makers mm. that is the that is the whole for me that's the whole uh fun it is to find that balance between the team performance and the individual. And the recent, my recent experiences has been focused on the individual. And that has given me a lot. And I have been improving as a coach daily. And I feel that sometimes I'm, I'm not even coaching a team, but just being as, as the role as I, as, as the best way I can, and can describe as a talent manager or to, to work with those talents, to see their priorities, to see what they think about, what they're, without me having really the pressure of winning or losing, then I can feel what their priorities are, what I can help them with. And 
we sometimes overcomplicate. And I feel that the more information that comes in, uh, you know, Google is a great tool. You can type whatever you want, but you have to be selective. You have to be able to know what is good information, what isn't. How can I create, you know, a great environment for my players and for my team? So I have to be structured, you know, and some coaches have that structure and they say, okay, I'm, we're, we're going to play 4-4-2, four, four, we're going to press like this, and we're going to, but that's not the structure I'm talking about because then you lose two or three players and that 4-4-2 four, four, doesn't make sense anymore. Or uh, you lose three, four, five games and then you have to change it or the opposite and you thought it was going to be terrible and now it's great because that's one of the mistakes I see people do when they create this uh, model um, you know, in the preseason, and they think, oh, we're going to play like this. Yeah, but you have to see what the player gives you. You have to see what the team gives you and what the context gives you because from season to season is different. Um, and and the, the momentum the team goes through changes. So that is the main point. I don't feel it is an individual sport. If you uh, improve the individual, it doesn't necessarily mean that you will improve the team. So the sum is bigger than the sum of, the sum of its parts. You know, the, the whole is, you know, is bigger than the, the sum of its parts. So the interactions between the players can be completely different. So it's not because you have the best wingers in the world and the best striker that that combination will be um, brilliant. And the best way, everyone knows it, the best way to look at it is those three up top in red in Liverpool. Is Firmino the best striker in the world? I'm not sure everyone would pick Firmino as the best striker in the world. But for those two around him, Firmino is brilliant. Mm. There's no one like Firmino. The same with Salah and Mane. If we take Salah off and put someone else, will the interaction between those... Now this is a very clear example for everyone that you know, we've been following Liverpool. So th that three, those three are brilliant together. You know? And we talked about the same Neymar, uh, Messi and Suarez, or the BBC, Bale, Ronaldo. You know? So... Uh, the interaction between your team is the most important on a match day. It's the way that they will all build a different level. You know, so we, we talk about performance levels. So we know that you've, you've reached this level here. How can you take your team to the next level? How can you set... I have five objectives for this season. I want my players to understand how to play compact. I want my players to... Whatever. Whatever you create in your head. Put those five and tell the players. Be open with your players and communicate to them, this is what we're looking for. This is our objective. This is our way. If you're an, an elite team, this is what we want to do to win the trophies. If you're with the academy football, this is what we want to do to develop you as, as people, as, as, as girls and boys, as citizens, but also as football players. So this is my priority. This is the values we want. So, and create those values and work within those values so everyone knows. Put it up on the changing room. Send it uh, on a PDF. Uh, everyone has a phone nowadays, so put it on uh, whatever. Put it on the, 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 um, the background of your phone. Put it on your pictures so the boys, girls, they see this is our priority. This is what we need to work with. This is our values as a team. I'm part of a team and it will always be like that. Football will always be a team sport. And the better the interactions, I say this all the time, the better the interactions are, the better you'll be as a team. Not necessarily the opposite is true. Not because the parts are the best in those positions, that as a whole, that as a team, 
they perform the best. Brilliant. What a great way to finish it. Frederico, top class. Loved it. That was great, huh? No, I really appreciate that. Really appreciate your time and your insight. It's been, uh, it's been fantastic. Perfect. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernin on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.